is BJ Council. I view the world through the lens of having been followed by a white clerk as a child while shopping in a five and dime. I'm a retired police executive and own UN50, which gives guidance on surviving interactions with police. I'm Harmony Chavis, and I view the world through the lens of one of the most misunderstood and diverse generations in our nation's history. I'm a social worker and a believer of radical kindness and love as modalities of healing. My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how. All right, so thank you very much for those that are coming back and listening to us again. And any of those of you that are new to you and 5 uh, just a little bit about what we do. Started in 2015, we started this business to help people and how to safely interact with law enforcement. And the primary thing is I want people to know their rights, but our goal back then, now, and in the future is we just need people to get to the house. But we not really caring about you liking the popo or hating the popo or how you feel about popo in this moment. It is about you going home, period. Uh, and so that's what UN50 is about. And then we started a podcast to talk about things that kind of intertwine with law enforcement, but also just other issues to also make sure people understand it's bigger than just law enforcement. This issue is not just about popo. Hold them accountable, hold them responsible, but let's just talk about some of the things that are beyond that. So tonight we have a educator, Lamanda Pryor, on to join us and, and talk about, you know, education and the work that she does and her perspective as an educator. And we'll get to her in just a moment. And, and we'll have, I'm really excited about it. I am a child of an old school teacher. Uh, so I, I, you know, my love for teachers is, is, is real and always have said and more than once, Teachers should be the highest paid people in this country because the president can't be president unless somebody teach him how to spell president. So, you know, so, you know, that's just backward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, One of our co-hosts, Harmony Chavis, wasn't able to make it tonight. She's uh, making that dollar. So uh, I get that. (laughs) So she's okay. But my nephew, Andrew Council, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I'm just trying to stay holistically balanced. Holistically balanced. Yeah. By the time uh, this is put out on uh, is released you will have graduated from unc greensboro oh congratulations congratulations thank you yeah we're all proud all proud he's gonna stay in the greensboro there's no going back down to the country (laughs) you're right you're not right andrews and once you leave you leave yep i may go back when i turn 75 but before (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice place to put your feet up and no place to live yeah i know right cool so, like I said, we've uh, we have Lamanda Pryor with us tonight, and she's a, a principal. She'll give you some more details about that. But I wanted to bring this perspective in, and like I said, we talk about things that I feel like is bigger than law enforcement can have an impact, and in people interacting with law enforcement, and what does that look like? What can we do as community, and what can we do as a black community uh, when it comes to educating our kids? And hopefully those of you that are regulars and listen to us, you would have listened to our last podcast that we released with Dr. Waleed. And I, Amanda, one of the things he said, and we all know this, but he uh, has spent some time in prison. He has his PhD. He's been out of prison since 1997, I believe. And um, 
He's a doc, has his PhD in counseling and those types of things. And one of the things he said, and we know this, again, we all know this, is the literacy inside these walls of prison. <laughs> People are going into prisons and they can't read. Uh, and he actually rattled off, uh, for those of you that listen, he said the three things that are pretty consistent inside the prison walls are poverty, lack of education, and mental health. And that's what's inside the walls. And men all think we also know that most of them look like black and brown folks. So, Amanda, you have been uh, in advocating for children for almost 20 years. And uh, so just kind of tell it you're currently a principal at a charter school here in Durham. So just kind of go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, like you said, I've been in education now for actually 22 years. And um, I started in um, Durham Public Schools. Um, went up to Syracuse, New York for a little bit. Then I came back here and been at a charter school now for five years. Mm -hmm. And everywhere I go, I always make sure that I am inside of a school that serves predominantly black and brown students. Wow. And the reason I do that is because I know and I feel that they need people who really um, understand them and good leadership. They deserve it and they need it. And so one of the things I did when I started my career is I understood the need for it. And I said, I was going to dedicate my life to do that. I mean, I've been offered several times to leave that particular um, uh, population, but that's not my choice. And I'm, that's one of the things I think that we do need. The great leaders um, that look like them need to stay <laughs> with them. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, we again, we just if you listen to Dr. Waleed, uh, Amanda, you just said something that he just kind of talked about. You you walk in your walk. Right. You 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 know what you were put here to do. You're like, nope, I don't need to go nowhere else. I know where I'm supposed to be. And then, to be. you know, and, and I, I mean, I just appreciate people recognizing <laughs> what the spirit put where you put you, where he's where, where, he, where he put you and what he told you to do. <laughs> you know, I, I think I was kind of born into it, BJ. You know, my dad been involved in yeah. community work for many years. And yes. so from a young girl, I've been involved with the community and just understanding that um, I always believe I am my brother and sister's keeper. Yes. So I just try to give, give back. Right. Yeah, she mentioned her her father's name, who is Harold Chestnut. He and I worked together at the P, uh, when I was at the Durham PD, and I always give him a hard time. He's a good man. He's always trying to do stuff for the community, and and so I I, I love Mr. Chestnut. Uh, one of the things in, in your description, you and I want to. Oh, let me. I, sorry, I got a question. I usually ask folks in the beginning. We have all survived 2020, and and COVID. Yeah. So having done that. Who are you now, having gone through that? And still, we're all still going through it, but at least the year of 2020, who is Lamanda on the other side of 2020? Um, I think I'm more grounded. Um, before 2020, I was doing and trying to be everything. I was in every organization, well, a lot of organizations, not everyone, but a lot of organizations. <laughs> um, I was, never could say no. Um, some nights I was tired. I was up to two o'clock, still trying to do my work that I was doing and just, just being all over the place. But when COVID hit, you had to stop. <laughs> and in that stopping, I became more reflective of who I am as a person. And I listened to your nephew say that, you know, that holistic. And I really began to um, 
better myself holistically. Because if I'm not good, then I can't pour into anybody else. And so I think I'm, I'm a more reflective person, understanding who I am, my purpose, and um, being able to say no, <laughs> learning to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's kind of where I am a little bit too. It's like, learn how to say no and take care of yourself and be take like, care okay. of yourself, man. Yeah, because you, you cannot help anybody else if, if you down. Can't help nobody else if you down. No. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that. So I wanted your description that you sent, and folks will be able to see this on her on our when we do the show. You you describe yourself. You thrive as a transformational educator. Mm-hmm. To kind of explain that, um, what does that mean to you? And that, you know, what when people hear that word, what does that? What do you make? What does that mean as an educator? Well, ironically, I think a lot of educators who are um, doing this work kind of understand what I'm speaking of because my education career, I grew up in like Title I schools and, you know, Title I schools is based on um, your um, lunch number. So you have a lot Mm -hmm. of kids that come to you in poverty and those schools can be tough. You know, there's a lot of different challenges that goes on in those schools. And so I think I kind of fell into that work. Um, I had a great mentor and I always give um, Rod Teal credit because when I came up, he was already a principal, but we learned how to do the work to transform schools that often have a lot of challenges. And I say I fell into that work because that's one of the things that I've been recruited for since I left on public school the most. And it's always, for me, it always goes back to um, knowing the people you serve, understanding your community. And so I, when I went to Syracuse, I finished a program that actually specialized in transformation um, principles and leadership. And so now I have taken, taken those um, principles that I already had um, learned just on the job, <laughs> put it with some book work, and then now I kind of implement it all the way through. And uh, wow. transformation is just that, just going into schools, kind of taking them from where they are and trying to change a few things to make them great. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I can see why people want you to come back to Durham Public School. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if that's what you're doing, you try to, you know, transform some I don't of the know. school. Durham Public School probably don't, wouldn't want me now because I'm kind of radical. <laughs> <laughs> she radical. I'm not going to stay quiet on things I know and policies that are not good for children. <laughs> right. That's what it, yeah. Well, yeah. But that, you know what? Do that stuff outside, rattle that cage outside, though. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> the cage outside. But I mean, um, they do, everyone does good work. Everyone's trying to do their best. Yeah, yeah. Wrong. Dumbo School is a great, great, great place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, but yeah, I get that. And I know they are. There's a lot of good work going on in these schools and, and difficult work. I think what I want, you know, you would, when we talked, when we trying, was trying to get you to, when you said yes to coming on, and you had recently, you were in a community, you guys were doing something and some gunshots were going off or something like that? Yes. Um, it was shortly after Christmas, uh, well, doing, um, right before Christmas. And we were lucky that we had a community partnership that gave us um, enough toys and clothes and gifts for over almost 100, 100 of our students in, in the building. And so we decided, right during COVID, to be a good idea to jump on a couple of buses, my staff and I, and we was going to deliver those gifts. Right. And for me, you know, I, I'm from Durham. I'm from the community. You know, I love my people. Right. So, but this is the most disturbing I have ever been because we were delivering to a particular neighborhood in Durham. And I don't 
Yes, they won't yeah, put yeah. them in glass. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but but um, we had jumped off the bus, and I was like, everyone, let's come take a picture. And as we was taking the picture, a young man was shot within feet from us during the broad mm-hmm. daylight. And it was like 1230. And um, we believe, allegedly, that the person who did the shot came from behind our bus and sped away. And that was the most disturbing to me because number one, I'm disturbed because a young child, we just saw a young child get shot. Right. Number two, I felt like I may have put my staff at risk, you know, mm-hmm. going into community, you know, Lord forbid something would have happened. Right. And, um, number three, I was just, you know, it was just um, disheartening because other young people were out there. Yes. They were out there doing great. And it was just um, reality kind of set in that this is the, what we deal with. This is where we are right now. Yeah. So I I wanted to bring that up because I'm also wanting you to kind of talk to us about or or hopefully folks that are listening. That incident, excuse me, children are seeing that, obviously. And so how do we as a community, you know, BJ saw a kid get killed yesterday. So Ms. Pry, I ain't got my homework. I ain't got homework. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so how do we, how do we have that conversation? What is it we need to do to help that community? What, I mean, how, what does that look like to be able to say, okay, we got to deal with BJ because she lives in a community where she probably sees that more often than, you know, she needs to. So what do you do? Is it, how, how, what, do te- what do we need to do? Amanda? First of all, <laughs> we have to just admit that it's real. And we have more kids that are coming into our building every day. Um, either um, seeing trauma or even experiencing trauma. And we have to realize that younger and younger, um, I serve at a K-8 school and we have to make time to deal with that. So when I say that social emotional learning is so important inside the school that it needs to be included in your everyday instruction. Um, mental health is so important in school. Um, one of the things that I always work on is um, like my suspensions for me and out of school suspension is a big thing that I don't like to do and I don't do unless it's some, you know some of those very you all know there's some things people just have to be yeah. out of school for. Right. But I rather deal with it in house because you're trying to change the mentality or deal um, teach them how to deal with what they're dealing with. So inside the school building, you have to have empathy. You have to include social and emotional learning from staff to students. And you have to still realize that the school should be the hub for um, the families because you have to deal with them all. You have to deal with the families. You have to deal with the students. And so for us, what it looks like, even from the early morning, we do something called morning meeting. And that morning meeting can take on all sorts of things. Um, It can be from just greeting each other to dealing with something that happened on the news, because you know the news right now is so so powerful. I mean, they're just seeing all these things happening, all these murders. So it's such a conversation. And then you get people talking about, oh, I saw someone get shot last night. And so that sparks conversations, but it creates a safe haven for kids just to be able to start communicating. That's the first thing we do. And then the second thing we do is um, partnering them up with people in your building that they can talk to. Because kids need to talk, but they need to trust you. They are the most untrusting people to be so young. So you have to gain that trust. And once you gain that trust, you can use that to, I always say, teach them how to deal with their emotions. Um, Sometimes when you don't take the time to teach them, because sometimes they're not getting it at home, 
they're not seeing it because you know some adults are still trying yes. to learn how to deal with their yes. emotions. Yes. So I think the school has to take the extra time to teach them how to deal with their emotions. So when they get out there, they're making decisions sometimes um, that's um, better. You know, they have learn how to cope because coping strategies is more than just, you know, coping what's going on at school. We're teaching them coping strategies what's going on um, in society and at home. Um, so it's an ongoing, it's, it's, it's ongoing. And then the mental health piece is so prevalent and so important. And when I say mental health, it has to be, I keep saying a holistic mental health because we even do things like um, mental breaks, meditation. You know, we're mm. teaching our black and brown kids how to yeah. meditate. Yes, yes. Uh, calm their own self down. Mm-hmm. Um, I even start my own staff meetings with uh, a minute of meditation. And that's just that, you know, that holistic um, body approach with, you know, learning, centering yourself. And so just teaching those strategies to kids from K-8. Um, we do grateful journals. And you'd be surprised. You'd be thinking what they have to be grateful for, especially some of them that come from poverty. But when you have them begin to think of small things to be grateful for, it uh, spins the picture in their head. And so um, there's so many things that, that we do do for social emotional learning. That's, it's a holistic approach. So society, I think, has to be open to really realizing that it is an issue and it's a problem. And I hate to say it, I know I'm probably talking a lot, but um, no, you preach, look, you preach and teach it. <laughs> our parents, our parents need help. A lot of our parents need mental help, they need uh, financial help, they yes. need um, um, uh, uh, medical help. A lot of them need help. And what happens is they do the best that they can do, but sometimes they're falling short as parents. So when I say that the school has to come and be the hub of the community again, we're going to have to be the hub of the community. And so when I say mental health, we have a therapist that also can give some family help. Going out, um, connecting, talking with families, still knocking on those doors and trying to connect the families with the resources they need. Because until I can help, heal the dad or heal the mom or help treat them, then it's hard for me to uh, reach my students. So it's like a holistic, a whole family approach. And sometimes um, if a student comes to your school that day, they, and like in my building, they might not get the lesson because they, right. they're not gonna be able to receive the lesson. Right. They can, if you just saw someone get shot last night, how can you really concentrate and you in the uh, third grade? Right. And but yet I'm going to make you sit down in, in that classroom and listen. Are you really listening? <laughs> it's funny. And I say this because I had a, a situation. It was just last week. Uh, and it was funny. Um, a young lady who I have built a relationship with. She's in sixth grade and she w- came to see me in my office. And for some reason I was busy and I was like, I get to you. I get to you. Go, go I get to you. But when I got to her, it was just last week. It was almost the end of the day. She unloaded about a murder that she saw the day before and she saw the body being picked up and put on the stretcher. And she was so upset about it, but she didn't want to talk to anyone else but me. Now I have other people in my staff that some students have because they want to have a person. It's not always me, it's not always the administrator, whoever. But she needed to talk to me. And once she started talking, she unloaded everything. And I felt bad because I feel like I should have seen it earlier that day. 
Right. But right. Um, I followed up. So all day she didn't really focus. She wasn't focused. Her thing was, I'm not, I can't focus until I get to talk to Ms. Pryor. So, right. so I'm teaching my teachers on how to pick up on those um, traits. And what do you do? You know? Oh, Andrew, I mean, I, I got to take a breath. What you got, Andrew? Because it's just. I have a lot. Uh, I'm just thinking about. <laughs> first, I wanna, like, I want to send my, if I, if I ever have a child, I want to send my child to your school. It just, it sounds like it's like. When I mentioned the word holistically, I try to explain like when I think about my me- my mental health, physical health, I just use it in that one word. And I like I like how you were referring to um the word in regard to the way that you were um taking that pedagogical approach to the way that you teach and work um within the school specifically. Um yeah. and I'm also thinking about um like the suspension thing that you mentioned before as well too was very poignant because you mentioned about um like suspending students just sending them back home and then like with, without any type of like asking what happened or any like just deeper insight about what happened and you could be sending them back into the same situation as to why they caused the problem for them to get suspended so i just that was just a lot i was drinking you have yeah. to change a mindset because kids i always say kids don't have to come back to your building so you're not changing their mindset all you're doing is creating a cycle Right. And and we know that um, behavior suspension is a big thing in the nation with um, mm-hmm. black and brown kids. It's a revolving door. Right. It's like right. the in and out, in and out. So until you really kind of sit down to figure out, well, why are you creating this behavior? You're not going to change anything. Right. And so my thing is, I'm not going to give you what you want. You're gonna, we're going to sit here and figure it out. <laughs> we're going to figure out. <laughs> and you know it's not going sometimes it does it takes more than a day a week a month i mean you have to keep at it all right. the time right. until you really figure it out uh, and at my school we like to figure out who that person can connect with mm-hmm. um because yes. again it may not be me it could be my my, my custodial worker could be right. you know right. my bus driver it could be you know my dean we figure out who you connect with sometimes it's the teacher you had the year before Right. And ask right. them, look, can you just check in on them? See what's going on. Even if you just go by every day to say hello. Right. <laughs> Let them know right. that someone cares, someone checking on you. You know, you're going to be accountable to somebody. We're not going to yeah. let you, we're not going to leave you. And you, just because you get in trouble today doesn't mean that we're not going to love you tomorrow. <laughs> and we literally say, we literally tell our kids we love them. <laughs> mm. Even the big kids. Um, because you'd be surprised how many are not hearing those words. Right. Um, simply, we love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not surprised, you know, obviously the work that I do. And I, and I think, and I, man, uh, Amanda, this, this is, uh, yeah. See, I think for me, hearing you say that, <clears throat> excuse me, people need to hear individuals like you who are passionate, doing the work for the right reason. And, and being real about this conversation, what's actually going on, who these kids are that are coming into our school. I mean, we got this, you know, kids go to school, blah, blah, blah. But they coming in there with stuff that you and I ain't never thought about having seen. I mean, they done seen stuff that I still ain't seen. You know what I'm saying? And so for you to say that, and then, you know, I go into these houses and I'm looking at folks don't know how to communicate to each other, yelling and screaming at each other. And, he, and here you go. You got a seven-year-old over here thinking that that's normal. You know, what I'm and, and and they go to school, and so I guess and and so that brings me to you know, like I says, a lot of stuff been going on this week. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, a lot of stuff. So there are two things, and I want you to kind of tell me how you feel about them. Okay, so we got Makaya Bryant who was shot by the officer. I'm not talking about 
you know, what the officer did. That's a different conversation. I mean, because, you know, everybody's got an opinion about that. What I'm, the, 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 I'm going to talk about Micaiah Bryant and then Isaiah Brown from Virginia, okay? How is it that we have failed Micaiah that she believes that in order to solve this problem, I got to pick up a steak knife? You know, so, so what, what is that about? So now we got the popo coming in and, and we know how that ended, right? And then you have Mr. Isaiah Brown. I don't know whether you've seen it, but he called the police and said, my brother won't let me in my mama's room. That's why he called the popo. So the thing is, why are we calling the police to solve, you ain't my brother and my me in my mama's room, <laughs> 32 years old. So, so why are we calling the government in with the possibility of, of doing some harm to you? So for me, that's why, you know, you and 5 we try to, yeah, I, hold hold the popo accountable, hold, hold do what you got to do. But let's kind of back that up with the stuff that you're talking about, Lamanda. What's going on at the house? What, why we got to have the government come in and solve my issues? You know, why is it that we pick up the phone, Black community? I need you to come in here and tell my brother, let me in my mama's room. Come on now. The um the first case with the steak knife, um, and, and we know what happened, you know, right. I'm, I'm not talking about the police part, but right. if you go back and look at the entire scene, and I was wondering why would a male be out there not trying to stop the situation no. before the popo got there? Right. Oh, is, that, is that the one that kicked at the girl that was on the ground? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. That's but yeah, but yeah, I didn't even, yes. so when you look at the whole mystic picture, you're like, how did how did a situation escalate that far with females that even a male couldn't try to stop it, but was involved with escalating it. Right. That's the first thing. Um, I don't know what led up to the young lady, you know, um, grabbing a knife, and I and I, you know, her, I, I feel for her family. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, definitely. Definitely. But I don't know what was so serious that led to a fight to create her to react with a steak knife. And this is one of the reasons why I try to teach my kids at a young age. She was, she was, she was 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How to cope with your feelings and how to react. And it starts young because kids see these behaviors of parents reacting with anger, Mm -hmm. parents reacting with abuse, cursing, Mm -hmm. and they become products of of their, their environment. So at school, it starts with teaching them. That's why I always, um, it seems funny, but um, teaching them how to cope, take a breath, uh, breathe, walk away, trying to teach them and change that, what they have been ingrained in them. Because I know once they leave me, I know what the results can be when you get out of the community. Right, right. Um, And she, whatever she, it was so big that she felt that she had to go into this fight but when you look at everyone around them everyone i mean it was like we fell all them around there because everyone was in this array that really was a sad situation yes yes that it yeah that it had to get to that point yeah and then then he said and i appreciate that because i you know i'm just looking at i I was looking at from you know how did she get to this point where you you brought this whole thing what you there was more it was a lot of other people there 
Of, it was a lot of other folks there, there, and then yeah. So I yeah, I appreciate that. Just you know, you kind of widen my perspective on that. But, but, but and there. I I'm gonna touch on this a little bit, and it may step on some toes. Where I was going is that we have some parents who um make the situation worse. They teach their kids how to react. That way, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they come into the schools, and mm-hmm. sometimes um, they try to um, tell you what the kids should should have done and should not have done. And so, when kids seem like that, it's okay. They learn right. that that behavior is okay. Mm-hmm. My parents expect me to act this way. Right. Or parents come into the school to act, come into the schools to act that way. Children see you act that way, so they're gonna continue to respond that way. That's and so, right. sometimes that's a learned behavior. And so parents don't understand that um, you can contribute to the way your daughter have reacted sometimes mm-hmm. or your son. Right. Yeah. And I, mean, I hate I, to say it, but they, we see it. People see it all the time. Right. Um, yeah. They, yeah, exactly. And so um, um, I see he did. Some people, they do say, they come in, they be like, you know, if, you, if you're going to get into a fight, you better win. They right. say that. I yeah. don't care. I mean, she should. She had no business. I mean, it could be. People want people to fight me out over words. I have parents telling their child to fight over words. Wow. Over words. That's the powerful thing. So you're teaching your child. Oh no, she she said something about my child, so she should have hit her. I'm like, it's, it, it boggles my mind. Yeah. So if you have that type of, and I'm a K eight school. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there in the, in the country. If you have that mentality going on, when they get to 16, that's what they do. Right. right. And it's a sad, it's like we're, we're, we are failing them. When I say we, I mean, the, the I'm a parent. We, we, some of the parents, we failing them. Wow. Yeah, no, you, I mean, step on toes. I mean, that, I mean, we, we got to do our, our so we got to be honest about this issue. Some, issues. some parents have to understand and take accountability for that, for that. And it starts early parents. It starts, I remember my grandfather used to have a saying, you let a child run till they get six and it's going to be hard to catch them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's a good one. <laughs> I never understood what he meant, but I understand now because right. I mean, you know, kids coming to kindergarten already with so so much anger. And I'm like, you haven't even been on earth enough to be so angry. So you mimicking something. I mean, wow. it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy. That's um, crazy. Not taking directions. They don't uh. want to take directions well. Um, and yeah. that we all know, you know, sometimes that doesn't end well. No, it doesn't. And You know, yeah, I'm not talking yeah. about the times where it's not there, but sometimes. It does not end well Mm-mm. when they can't take direction. No, um, no, not at all. And, and actually that kind of made, they got to do the plug for you and five up. And that's why we say comply, then complain. And, and man, I get pushed back on that. Well, why should I comply? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, all I'm telling you is you should comply. Cause if you don't, you know, cause we already know what's going to happen if you don't. I mean, cause you might run up on another Chauvin and then, you know, here we go. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, my thing is, and, and just, 
I don't know what I've mentioned before on my podcast, but I've talked to a buddy of mine. He's a crime analyst for Durham. And Durham, traffic stops to include a ticket ain't but 20 minutes of inconvenience. I figured you can check your emotions for 20 minutes and get through it. And if you don't like what they said or did to you, you can complain later. But 20 minutes is basically the average vehicle stop in the city of Durham. Check your emotions for 20 minutes. I always teach my kids, is it better to be right or better to be alive? Right. Look, one of my guys said, I know you want to be right, but I don't want you to be dead right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so that also goes back to teaching kids how to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because you in that moment, is not the time for you to advocate. The proper way to advocate is going through, through the proper channels and the proper avenues. Mm-hmm. And the proper avenues is not to be advocating right then and there while you've been stopped by, by the cop. The proper avenues is, you know, get the squad number, figure out who you need to make your file, your complaint or whatever you need to do. But in that moment, your major thing is to get safely where you need to go. Exactly. But, you know, you, I mean, that whole thing, Amanda, about being um, the hub for the family, I mean, that, you know, you're doing work as to how to recognize and how to have these conversations. I mean, just to recognize those emotions and what to do with it. I mean, that, that's just huge that you that your school is helping with that because that translate that translate beyond you and and as they go through life because now they go oh there's there's another way you mean I I don't have to yell and scream or I don't have to put my hands on folks mm-hmm. I mean that's that's just another tool in the toolbox it's another tool in the toolbox and I and it's funny because we get a lot of parents that um, other schools have kind of kicked out. <laughs> so, but, right. but um we we work with parents too we actually work with parents too um you know i'm not gonna let you abuse my my staff and myself but we're gonna work with you too we're gonna let you wow. get it all out as long as you're not yeah. touching any of us and then when we talk because the next time you come up here we're not gonna have this but we're gonna we're gonna talk it out <laughs> like, like, right right but i'm right. not gonna call the popo and all it on you know we're gonna figure it out Right. Out. right. Right. I mean, and you, I mean, you and your staff are setting the example. This is a way to, this is how you solve problems. We, we heard you exactly. and willing to listen to you. And now let's sit down and figure out how we're going to fix this and work together. And work people, together. you know, and, but Lamela, it's got to be, how is that for you? Because you're only, you and your staff are only, I know you said some of your staff will go check in on the kids though, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but still though, as a teacher, there's a limit. There is a limit. So because you, you only have them for how many X amount of hours you have in a day. And then the, the real influence is the folks that are, you know, going home to. I mean, how, how do you guys, how do you, what is that? Um, one you, of the things when we had COVID, that was my biggest worry. Mm. Because COVID meant that my students were not with us most of the day. Because on the mm. school year, they're with you most of the day. Right. When okay. COVID hit, they were not with me most or with us most of the day. And that's what right. we was mostly worried about. Right. Um, and so whatever right. situation they were in, they were in it for a long time. Oh. And so we were one of those schools that like, hey, we want our kids back. I mean, I didn't have, I know some schools had teachers pushing back that didn't want to come back in. My teacher's like, when can we get back in there? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They were like, when can, when, how can we get back in there? How safe, we, you know, we can be being in, in there and we need all our students. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's compassion. That's passionate. Andrew, you got anything? Cause I got a question I want to ask Amanda. I was just thinking about um, some of the things that she was saying. Um, and I was, it was related to um, 
something I said in the last podcast about like the cultivation theory and just how when students or younger children see um, certain mass media images um, throughout and it's kind of they cultivating that image of themselves within their own minds as well. So and I also wanted to mention mimicry as well, too, because something that you're mentioning is like when we suspend students or our students are going through things, we don't know where it's coming from, where they source this information or this mindset from. So it's like they're mimicking whatever they're seeing, whether it be in their household um, with a distant aunt, uncle. Like, I feel like that that's something that I guess we don't talk about a lot. I'm um, just in public schools, especially them, because we always just assume it's straight from this one child. This is the problem child. But it's like, where where are they getting these the, the quote unquote that you're calling problems from? Um, <laughs> right. You're right. right. You're so right. <laughs> Um, um, kids mimic a lot of behavior that becomes part of their behavior patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yeah, my my, my producers are they're passing down trauma. So hurt begets hurt, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just true. I mean we all know that, but when mm-hmm. people like you know educators like yourself, when when people, I think people need to hear that because it's kind of like doing police work so people don't really understand what it is that we do and then we start telling these stories like oh yeah i know that and then when people like you who are dealing with these kids that unfortunately sometimes end up in our system yeah uh, when they hear it from your perspective that you you're seeing this it's 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 bigger than a popo it's bigger than it's it's holistic <laughs> you know it's, it's the, the whole yeah the entire family is traumatized Somewhere, something happened to all of them to create this, and this child is just all of that. And then on top of that, whatever else is going on. We are part of a group called Peaceful Schools of North Carolina. Mm. And it's about seven schools, maybe eight schools around North Carolina that's involved in it. Um, And I am the only minority school that's involved in it. And it's sad because... It really teaches, and that's how we've gotten so um, um, good at it, the social emotional learning piece. And what does it look like? Even, I mean, it even goes down to even grading, even understanding grading, your grading system, and how that can break a student or make a student. It's, 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 it's so deep. It, I mean, you have a student, like you say, if, if a child is going through something for a whole quarter, whole semester, we're going to have to create another way to reach that child and educate them. So you're going to have, have a little bit more empathy when you're trying to grade them because for them, you giving them an F at that point, they don't care because right, right. now you're not the most important thing to them. Right. 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 So just understanding that. Oh, okay. So, he, so how do you hire for those? I mean, how do we get, I mean, just like they're trying to say, well, you know, you need to hire the right people to eat a popo. How do you hire? <laughs> how do you hire educators, uh, Lamanda, that have that you can recognize that had you know it, they're doing it because that's their walk. I mean, how, how do you first, bring first off? That? I throw away all them canned questions. They keep they always train you to ask them anything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's um, be real. Let's talk because, about this. Right? Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I can teach people, and I have um, coaches, instructional coaches. We can teach you curriculum and actually how to teach we're more interested in your heart and why you're in why are you choosing this school because we don't hide who we are um why would you choose to be here what Mm. brings you here what has been your walk up to now because to understand um try to see do you understand who you are as a person Mm. 
Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, I make a mistake. Somebody comes with a whole lot of baggage as a teacher. And sometimes, you know, because teachers, teachers, there's some teachers that got to go to. Right. 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 Administrators that have to go to. Right. Right. Wow. So so tell me a little bit about the peaceful school thing. I mean, how how is it? I mean, was this something somebody told you about? Was this something that you already knew about? um, The school that I'm at already was a part of it for just one year. But they weren't really serious about it when I got here. Okay. And I sat down and I met with them and they had a psychoanalytic team that was on board. Uh, uh, I believe out of Duke it was. And when I sat down, they really explained it's not necessarily, it's not a program. No, okay. it's not All about right. programming. Okay. This That's- is about really understanding how to, and I say do the social emotional learning because my social emotional learning might look, look like someone who's over in Raleigh's um, coming with a different demographics. But just understanding what social emotional learning should look like in your school and okay. it's beginning to understand the, the, the families and the students you serve, um, mind, body and soul. Coming from it, that's why I say the holistic approach to education. Um, oh. And wow. you can't separate them with our kids. We have to do We have to do it all for our kids. Unfortunately, we have to do it all. Because I'm not getting any of it. So we have to do, you know, a mind, body, soul type of approach with our students. So how successful do you, how how successful is your school? uh, We now, we, wait a minute, minute, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that question. Because you know, when we go, we start saying, girl, you know, we say how successful we start with. Yeah, no. (laughs) What is it that you consider successful for the students in your school? That's what I want. Uh, two, two things. Of course, we always want our students to be academically sound. And so we're able to reach um, the academic growth in the, um, year after year, constantly what the state set for us. We're able to reach the academic growth. But for me, success is in when my suspension rate, when I first got there, was high in and out. Because I think even when you in, in school suspension, it's a, it's a suspension, you're not getting your structure. Right. Right. So in, in school and out of school was very high when I first got there. And success for me was before COVID hit, our out of school suspension maybe was five people before we got out for COVID. So the last year, 2020, mm-hmm. 2019-2020, we only had five people out of school suspension. As compared for, for to? The year, for the year. That's for the year. For the okay. Year. So, but you were in double digits prior to that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. When okay. um, it started slowly declining. When I first got there, I don't even know how many. It was so many. I can't even remember. Oh wow. <laughs> it wow. was. It was a lot. It was a lot. Well, good. Um, good for you. But getting it down, we had to sit and think because we keep the paperwork. But we was like, well, who did who did we send home this year? I don't think we had anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's that's a that's a good thing to ask. And then, and then I said that was not, it was um, um one of them was the same person, but you know same wow. occurrence. Right. Wow. That that's a, so. How you know how do we how do we get the community to understand that? Uh, I mean, I know you know you you're at a charter school, and and again, we're not I'm not bashing Durham Public Schools, but no. you know it's just it's just about for me. How do we help? if nothing else, help parents get more involved or help them understand that 
that, you know, you can go to your schools. I mean, how do we make it so the schools look to the community like they're going to be helping? You I mean, know what? What is that going to take? I'm going to be perfectly honest, whether I'm in charter school or in um, um, traditional public school. One of the problems that the focus is so much solely on what the scores are on assessments. Right. That they lose the essence of kids. Wow. And so the focus is so much on what you're going to be doing on this end of grade test, end of grade assessments, end of course grade. It's so much focus on that till sometimes they forget about the whole other part of the child that makes right. up that. Right. And so for some schools and some districts, I mean, if you're not making it that way, some of the resources and stuff don't go. So, I mean, I, I want to repeat back what you said, because I think that's pretty profound. That <laughs> some of the schools are just so focused on assessment that they lose it. They're, they're losing, and losing it's not the their essence. Problem, but they're, losing the, they're losing the essence of the kids. Of the kids. It's a trickle-down approach, though, because we know that that, was, that testing assessments came down from um, the federal level, and the right. federal level came down to the states, and the state pushed it down to the local levels. And it began to be more of a political. And um, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. Everyone's listening. This is <laughs> Friar's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> they pushed it down to, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, politics and money. Right. And it has gotten so um, big that the essence of children are lost. And so if children are not performing at certain levels, um, they didn't, I don't know if they take some of them, you know, not really looking at, well, why? And so mm -hmm. it's like, right. right. Well, this has been good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the schools. I mean, I think, I think for me, and just from the law enforcement perspective and the stuff that I've seen and I see kids in these spaces, I see them in these communities and they see things, like I said earlier, they see stuff that I still ain't seen and don't want to see. And we got to figure out, you know, how to how to just prepare the schools to be able to receive these kids where they are. And and it sounds like your your school is doing just are. that. You just meet them. Cause you got to help them because if not, we just is is a you know they go whatever they see in the community they gonna it's gonna be repetitive and the how it's repetitive. Uh, yeah. And here we go. You know, it's and a just cycle. It is. It is. Andrew, you got anything before we start winding down? Now that I can think of. I was just listening, like I always. Sometimes you just soak in as a sponge, but I really. I know. Do. He always says that. I got. I got to beat him in the head. It's like he's always <laughs> soaking up stuff. I got to get him to start asking more um, questions. Yeah, because yeah. I, I see <laughs> yeah. his mind. You whirling. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he he is his grandmother's son because uh, grandchild because she's like I said an educator. So she poured and poured and poured. So he, wow. you know, he he's the kid that you know, was the one that would look at another kid and say, you need to be quiet <laughs> You know, <laughs> in the classroom. Yes. You know, that's kind of who he is. So yeah, all of that. So one of the things I want to ask you is if, if you, what would a judicial system, because we, you know, we're obviously talking about law enforcement and, and interaction with the POPO, but we're also talking about the system as a whole. What would a compassionate judicial system look like to you? Um, I would like to see 
the judicial system start at lower age. I think uh, we can't wait to, uh, I know fourth grade sometimes is where they kind of start. I think we need to go down lower because mm -hmm. by the time they get to fourth grade, they've already formed so many different bad habits. Um, I think we need to, and I say start lower because you can create that bond of trust with them at a younger age between the two, because some kids are coming up uh, um, not trusting the traditional system just from what they've heard and what they've seen. And so I think if we can start at a younger age, um, compassion would look like having programs that um, when kids are in trouble or have other, uh, I guess, like he said, more mental, poverty, education, and mental, just more programs to attack each one of the things I think your prior guest said about mm -hmm. what he sees. So that's the same thing we see in the schools. Right. So um, having right. that, that mental piece is so, so crucial. And, and I, I want everybody to make sure that you heard that she teaches K through eight. Yes. And she just said she's seen the same thing that our previous guest talked about, poverty, lack of education, and mental health stuff. K through eight, y'all, dealing with mental health issues, mental health issues, K through eight. Eight. That Real let that just got yeah let 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 that just sit with you for just a second, K through eight, and um yeah we we gotta we gotta refocus again like I said stay stay on top of the popo you know we you know there's work to be done still to be done and there's a lot of but we also gotta make sure we're mindful of those who are gonna be our future leaders yeah. and taking care of them making sure they're safe and 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 as you said we don't want to lose the essence of our children um, that are coming up behind us so yeah so yeah i i this has been another powerful one i i, I appreciate what you're doing thank uh, you for again. inviting me yeah no i mean i've always wanted to have an educator on here cuz can talk real cuz like i said police officers and as far as I'm, and teachers we we see it yeah. we 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 on the ground we we see it we see it raw there's nothing sugar-coated about the stuff that you're seeing these kids and their families having to go through to, to, to do. And, and that's, I think we need to have more people like you that are willing to speak truth to power, you know, about what this is real. This is real. <laughs> this is real. K through A having mental health issues. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Traumatized. <laughs> yeah, traumatized. So, so let's just recognize that and figure out what we need to do that in each individual communities and address those issues. So thank you. Great. Thank you very much. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you all. Coming and being on the show. Uh, Andrew. Time. Thank you. Well, you know, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you got any part, parting words? Not necessarily. I just really enjoyed um, hearing you discuss the work that you do. Um, like my aunt said, I'm the grandchild and the son of a of both educators. So <laughs> oh, I, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I see, it, um, see the work that you do for like face to face and wholeheartedly. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you yeah. so much. And again, congratulations, because that's where it starts. That's thank where you. it starts. Thank you. Cool. All right. So thank you again, right. Ms. Lamanda Pryor, coming and joining right. us and having this very real, raw conversation about, you know, education, what we need to do, and the fact that, you know, the hub, school should be a hub for the entire family. So let's just think about that. So as always, for those of you that's joined us for the first time, thank you. Hope you'll come back and listen to us again. And for those who are faithful to listening to us regularly, thanks again. And as always, stay well, stay cool, and peace. <laughs>